I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. G'day guys, welcome back to Beers and Breakevens, our last few episodes of the year. We're going to go through our roastings to finish the season and we've got special guest today. He's here every week, but today he's in the hot seat. T-Rex, how good? Just me, boys, Bloody hot in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck, you look good down there. I love it. I feel good. Yeah. I'll tell you what, sitting at that bar each week on the podcast, and look, I love the bar, nothing against the bar, but this cushy chair with a bit, bit of heat coming from behind me, I, I don't mind it. It's great. I'm, I'm obviously sitting up high looking down at you, a bit like the rankings this year. Oh, fuck you. We've got Riser with us too from Supercoach365. What's doing, brother? How you doing, boys? Yeah, good to be here. Look, obviously, end of the Supercoach season, no better time for a bit of accountability um, at the bar. This is the top 1% bar, I think it is. Oh. That's yeah, well, I've got there. a bone to pick with you later, but we'll, we'll get to that when it's your turn to be roasted because... Rises a fucking impo- imposter, but anyway. Uh, guys, brought to you by Blue Wealth Property, as always. Our major sponsor, two years running now. Uh, they've got a couple of events coming up over the next few weeks. The big one is Wealth Through Property, the webinar. That one is live from Sydney Olympic Park, or you can join via webinar 28th of September. So that's probably grand final breakfast night, I reckon, around that mark. That'll be an exciting week. And next Tuesday... Uh, if you're on the Sunshine Coast, which believe it or not, I actually will be up on the Sunshine Coast next week. I might make a guest appearance. Uh, yeah, I'm actually going to be up there. Yeah. What are you doing up there, mate? Got a wedding up there. You remember uh, my mate Josh Cook that you sat next to yeah, at the wedding? Yeah, the fucking be. cut snake fella? Yeah. It's his wedding. Can't believe he's getting married. Wild. Early uh, holiday, mate. Yeah, it's going to be great. Nice I'm looking forward to it. How good? Also, uh, mate, you've just set a new record for quickest testy pop on beers and bacon. <laughs> 43 seconds in by my My testicles just rolled out the door. (laughs) (laughs) I was hoping no one noticed. Um, So, yeah, Wealth Through through Property live on the Sunshine Coast next week in Maroochydore, 6.30pm to 8.30pm. As always, guys, over the next few weeks, if you've got any questions about Blue Wealth Property, wanting to reach out or even in the off-season, reach out to myself or Timmy Williams, assuming he's not left as a crisp by the end of uh, the show today. Yeah, just toast you down. Fuck, I love looking down on you. It's the best. Absolute best. Staring at Chessy in the background as well. It's good stuff. <laughs> a, a bloke who saved me from embarrassment for the last two weeks. So sure did. Shout out, Ches. Um, now to the people that have won hats and footballs over the last six, seven weeks. They have all been sent out. So they're all on the way. Shout out to those of you who sent me an email with your home address. Uh, to those that didn't, 
I'm probably going to murder you in your sleep. So <laughs> brace yourself for that. And if you are the winner this week, make sure you put your home address on your email or I'll give you the hot tip. You won't be getting a ball and a hat. That was Cameron who coaches the Spandickles. And Timmy, you had a bit of uh, background knowledge on this guy. Pretty impressive last round. Yeah, so what, he finished 1,600-odd and... He finished 13th overall. Yeah, and I believe he came from, like, outside the top 1,000. Mm. So I think you mentioned to me pre-show that three of the top four from beers and break-evens for the week scorers finished in the top 1,000. So um, people are going to want to smack me in the head for saying this because I've done it a bit the last couple of weeks. This has been the only thing I've been able to hang my hat on, but... The depth from these squads, they've come soaring into the top 1,000 and Span Dickles in particular, 13th. Mm. Depth is becoming your uh, Corey Parker, middle third. Yeah, it is. It's well, Tim Depth Williams. When you have a tough super coach, you've got to find someone, something to write home about and that's it. I think you're yeah. also big, Timmy, just to interject there, you were big on saving trades where you could and yeah. you had five left uh, or you used five trades in the last five weeks. So it's something that probably... I know I certainly didn't do and a lot of others wouldn't have done as well. So, you know, you harped on about saving trades and and having depth and, well, did it pay off? I don't don't know. know. Well, my team wasn't going good enough to that point regardless, but, like, I picked up 2,000 spots in the final round. There you go. You picked up 2,000 spots in the final round? Yeah. Wow, you still finished 4,000. What a bed shit. <laughs> I think that was because you copied me on uh, Cherry Evans as well. But anyway, oh. uh, so now going from one shocking season to a fantastic season, Glenn was the winner of our beers and break-evens comp this year. I think he finished fifth overall. So 5,000 of the best coming your way, a broken stallion, a football, a what, hat. you're sending me, are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, a couple of broken stallions around. Uh, and we thought today I've managed to get Glenn's phone number. He doesn't know that we're ringing him, so I thought, we might just surprise him and see if we can get a hold of him. We know he's busy today. We tried to get him on the show. He's got a couple of meetings, yeah. so hopefully we're interrupting Glenn, something. it was the North Sydney Bears statistician from the early 90s. Wow, that's unreal. Something, Glenn. Come on, Glenn. He's got no idea he's on the show. Or what your number is, so... Yeah. It'll be right. Glenn Dunn. Glenn Dunn, uh, this is the Rugby League Guru from Beers and Break Evens. How are you, mate? Hey, mate. How are you? I'm good, brother. You're live on air. <laughs> mate, you're kidding yeah, you're, you're on. <laughs> We're not kidding. I've had a duck, and duck out of a meeting. <laughs> I knew it. Mate, we'll let you get back to it, but we just want to say congratulations, mate. $5,000 and a broken horse coming your way. Mate, how good is that? How buddy Thanks good. to you guys too. Fantastic ah. content, great podcast, good blokes. Been a great year. Yeah, Tim's here too. <laughs> Speaking of good blokes. <laughs> I'll take that back. Hey, uh, what are you going to drop your 5K on? Are you coming to Vegas with us or what? Um, mate, I reckon it could be... Brisbane next year. Oh, Magic Round. For the round, Magic Round. I love that. All right, mate. We'll let you get back to your meeting. Congratulations, and we'll have to have you on in the new year, okay? See you, brother. Cheers, mate. 5K'd go a long way in Brisbane. Oh, yes. Whatever. go a long way. (laughs) I love when good people do good things. Glenn seems like a fucking champion. Glenn does seem like a champion. He reached out a few weeks before the end of the season saying sort of thanks for the year to for all the, the playbooks and the beers and break even and everything that have gone into it and just seeing like a very genuine good dude and boom, there you go. Yeah, how good. We love that. And, mate, Supercoach365, give you a quick plug before yeah. we get stuck into dry fisting this fella down here. <laughs> What's been going on this year? Oh, look, it's obviously been a, a big year. I think this was our third year doing uh, regular content. So, um, like you say there, I guess the most rewarding thing for us and I know personally is getting those messages end of the year saying thanks and 
you know, puts it all into perspective when yeah. you know, give up your, your time to do what we do. And um, if you can help one person out, then we've done a good job, I guess. I've tried. Fuck <laughs> me, I've tried, mate. Some people just don't want to be helped, though, you know? you got to open your ears. Like that's it. Yeah, that's exactly it. So, yeah, we're, we're going to have Riser on the show a little a bit more. stallion to water. <laughs> yeah. But you can't make a drink. Ranks are over eight. I'm just here for the ride and the good times <laughs> and the laughs. How good. All right. Should we get into... Yeah, giving this it. guy what he deserves. So, uh, Rise is going to go through his team in round one, where it all started. Humble beginnings. Take us away. 4100 4, overall was the final finish. So, oh, I wasn't going to say it. I thought you'd be a bit embarrassed. Oh, mate, I'm happy to own my rank. It happens. Yeah, that's cute. to the best of us. I think to kick us off, why don't we go back to round one and sort of go through your starting seventeen, but then also your extended reserves. So, fullback. Do you want to start or finish with Franklin Pele? Because <laughs> he's there for twenty-seven rounds. <laughs> Well, that's a probably, yeah, good place to start. Franklin Pele, he, he didn't play round one, but uh, two that did, uh, James Tedesco, Tommy Travojevic, your fullback options. So, look, it's probably the, the popular fullback pairing, I think, mm. to start the year. Mm. Centre wingers, a uh, couple of cheapies amongst this slot, Sunia, Taruva, Alofiana, Khan, Pereira, uh, with a couple of guns as well, Valentine Holmes, Brian Toto. Halves were Dewey and Cleary, back rowers of Egan Butcher, Teague Wilton, Luke Garner. Uh, throw in amongst that lot Jermaine Hopgood David Fafida front rowers of Stefano Itsukamanu and Ruben Cotter and your hooker pairing Harry Grant and Brandon Smith fuck you were high on Ruben Cotter in the pre-season that's just flashback to me yeah I was I, I, I rated it at the time too but what happened to him I have no idea like he didn't go poorly but he didn't hit the heights expe- to be honest I, I was looking at him at the back end of the issue and I saw he averaged about 50 or 52 or something mm. and I know he had like hammy issues and some reduced mm. minutes and he came back from injury and reduced minutes plus origin and I straight away went round one next year. He's going to be cheap. There'll be minutes there. Yeah. And I, I'm already getting excited about Cotter for round one mm. next season. But yeah, didn't... Why do we think he didn't hit the straps that we anticipated this year? I don't know. Just sort of... I mean, him and Taumalolo, they should just be so much better than what they are. I, I were obviously winging this and I, I'm not sort of got any data to go off. You boys have got all the uh, the power up there to do what you want. But minutes, I feel like he didn't play as big a minutes as we sort of probably anticipated from the start of the season. Quite yeah. possibly. Round one, so just to sort of, you, know, you would have been feeling pretty good after round one. He scored 63 points in 67 minutes. That's probably exactly what you were expecting yeah. to see from him. I think Cotter, much like the rest of the Cowboys team, we're all so big on them. I know personally I was yeah. that first eight-week block. It looked amazing on paper, but... Didn't turn out to be uh, Valentine Holmes probably falls into that bracket as well. That's someone else he started with. Pretty pretty happy with that round one side. Like looking back on it now, Val Holmes, we're going to go through week by week trades and punch through that. So it was a re- he was a real bane of my my season Val because we'll get to him a bit later. But yeah. I, I stuck through him when he was punching out consistent sixties. Just sold him at the worst time, but we'll get there. We've already mentioned Franklin Pele. That's probably the bad of your non-scoring players round one, but someone that you have to give credit to, to Timmy for. Jacob Preston, you started the year with him. Uh, obviously, was a target that many seemed to race mm. into their sides not too long after round one, but um, to find him a, a diamond in the rough. He only got 25 points that first week in 51 minutes, but very quickly he became a staple of your team and many others. Preston was a big one, yeah. And, and not that many started with him either, so he would have been near the most... Probably not most traded player in week one, oh, week two, but certainly by week three and people flocked on. So, yeah, yeah got that one nicely. And Presto cleaned up at the Doggies Awards last night. Three from three. I think players player, player of the year, rookie of the year. So, 
Preston, what a man. I did notice as you read through his team, obviously Jacob Preston was a nice little could-be-anything from uh, the T. Williams camp. But I noticed uh, Ruben Cotter. I noticed Jermaine Hopgood. I noticed Lofie Campiera. Yeah. Did I just, like, introduce you to your entire team or...? How's Guru? He sees a winger like Lofty can't pair. Oh, he runs sub 1000. Oh, he could be anything. No shit, Sherlock. Jeez, I remember when everyone told me that about Xavier Savage, too. He's a good little reserve grader. <laughs> Five <laughs> points for Campera round one. So, yeah. It would have been a, you know, a few jitters after seeing that, but yeah, oh, he came yeah, back yeah. and scored. Drafted him in round seven. <laughs> it's probably my worst draft pick of all time. Needed him to run fucking sub eight to be a round seven pick. Oh. Do you want to get into trades? Yeah, well, let's trades. rip and tear into it. So didn't make any trades, Timmy. Round two, uh, round three, you actually used a boost. Um, let's start with the players. He loves going off early. Players, <laughs> players that you shifted out. Brandon Smith was quick to go. Egan Butcher, Isaac Thompson as well. You brought in Reed Marnie, Eli Katoa and the Hammer. Two out of three were good. So who, who went? Oh, geez, so Cheese got injured. Yeah. Who were the other two that went? Butcher. And Isaac Thompson from the Rabbits. It wasn't Egan Butcher disappointing earlier on in the year. He came back yep. and did well later on, but again, no, he, he was a real. I thought he was going to be a real super pod early on in the year. That starting mm. edge spot for the Roosters, a bit of a gold mine. Yeah, uh, and it was probably certainly reflected in my side, but I was high on the Roosters, like most people were, to start the year, and started with Cheese, Egan Butcher, Tedesco. When they started slow, not that my side started too bad by any means, but the Roosters contingent let me down because they're eager, no good at all. Marnie came in and did bugger all for me. Ellie Katoa came in and did well. Who was the other one? Hammer. Hammer. Hammer was great. Yeah. I didn't realise you had Hammer. Yeah. And, nice little pick up. And dished out some, uh, some good numbers for me too. I loved uh, at the end of round four, mate, Ruben Cotter already shown the door. Yeah. Made an early move there. Brought him in for one of your boys, Joe Tappanay, but it's the other trade that week that I... Fucking love that you spoke about all preseason to your credit. Reese Walsh in. <sighs> Teddy yeah. out, Walsh in. Yeah, because he, he missed round one from memory. Walsh, maybe even round two. Little hammy niggle. Because I was really keen to start the season with with Walshy, but got him in early enough that yeah, he did plenty of damage there. And the other, again, I've harped on about it all season, so apologies, but we are doing a review. Greg Marshall was in my round one team and then he didn't get named in team list because he had like a calf niggle. Yeah. Did not end up owning him all year. Yeah, I Off recall. Absolute dagger. Yeah, you were... Well, I mean, you never arrived at the Marshu party. We'll talk about KP later, but I think that's another one that uh, really divided you this year. Uh, mate, one trade that just filled my heart with joy. <laughs> round seven. Here we go. Trade out, Reed Marnie. Trade in, Sonny. Luke, oh. how <laughs> fucking good. Love that. Yeah. I take full responsibility for it, but yeah. love that. The best thing about this is that I actually got out of the Sonny Luke debacle <laughs> relatively okay because we'll get to it later, but I cut ties with him a hell of a long way before a lot of other people did. I know people had him there all the way through to the end of the season. They're just going, round 27, Penrith restings, Mitch Kenny not back. Sonny Luke, look, you get decent minutes. <laughs> and then he got dropped from that side as well. So I got off the Sonny Luke pass just <coughs> in time, but that hooking position, because uh, I started with Harry Grant and had him all year, yep. nailed that. Mm. But between Marnie and Sonny Luke, and what a shit position that was this now, year. Now, Sonny Luke was a shit fight trade in round seven, but your other two I think are interesting and notable. The first one you traded in, Nico Hines. Now, obviously, we both missed the mm. round four. Was it round four? 180 point score. 
as yeah. captain. So a lot of super coaches got that one. So we missed out on that one. You got him a few weeks later, but mate, our knight in shining armor. And I actually believe he won an award last night at the Newcastle Awards night called Knight in Shining oh. Arm, which I love it. Phoenix. Yeah. Mate, you traded in Zach Hosking in round six and then Phoenix in round seven. It was a look-alike a thought. Yeah. How good. Yeah. And then uh, I don't know what took me so long to get Daly Cherry Evans into my side as well, but <laughs> could have had a big three in three weeks. Yeah, Phoenix Crossland. My probably my player of the year, I think Phoenix. He just came in at a time from memory where there were no five eights available. Mm. And I was thinking, you know, he, he was set to make some cash. He'd got that hooking role. I went, you know what, let's just gamble with him and get him in. Just served an outstanding purpose for my side all year and probably my, my favourite player of the year. At that point, I think Cody Nicarimba was probably another name that you probably would have considered. Yeah. He had the dual hooker, five eighth uh, capabilities as well. Was it purely a, a price? Uh, mechanism to go to cross and over, Cody. Do you remember that? What they, they were bo- so, yeah, so Nikarima, I would have been running, I think, yeah, because I had Sonny, I probably had some faith in Sonny Luke doing something at the time and coming good at some point in the season. So yeah. I think it must have been the dual 5'8 halfback of Crossland and being able to interchange him there. So, how many times, and we said that countless times uh, throughout the year, like that that flexibility, dual halves, they're so rare. And I know Crossland, uh, myself, I flipped in between six and seven yeah. a couple of times. Just one more thing I want to point out here. Sonny Luke, I know we've probably harped on a little bit, but it's round seven, you've used four hookers. Like, what do we put that down to? Hookers predominantly been a position in the past, 60s and 70s were just mainstays. We couldn't find it this year. But I think also, you know, it's predominantly been a 60s and 70s, mainly because of Cam Smith. Yeah. I think that is all changing now. I, th- I think that you need to be like I've always I've said it for years in draft competitions that I just don't draft hookers. Mm. I just don't bother. Even if they're Harry Grant, you take them round one, and what are the chances of Harry Grant going 150 to Berry? He did it a few times this year, to be fair, but you're just not not going to get it um, consistently. So I think that hooker over the next few years is going to be a very important position as far as what you do with it because I think it's lost a stack of value. Yeah. So I'd, I'd use, what, both around seven or eight, I'd had four hookers in and I had a mainstay in Harry Grant the entire season. So there'd be so, a lot of sides didn't start with Harry Grant or get him into later. Mm. They must have been chopping and changing like mad. Oh, they would have, for sure. And I, I, th- I think there's, there's going to be logic in that over the years that you just get Harry Grant and you just leave him there. No matter what, you just leave him there. But I think fucking around with other hookers, like I, I reckon the 80-minute the hookers, just about... Gonski, mm. like Lachlan Croker won't be an 80-minute hooker next year. Not that he was relevant, yeah, but yeah, it just shows 80-minute hookers are just falling yeah, off Like I think you absolutely start with Harry Grant next year and pay up whatever he costs. Yeah. And then the question with Harry is always getting to that origin period, reduced minutes, potential restings. We were fortunate this year Harry Grant owns with him because Melbourne didn't really have a noted backup hooker. Mm. And they also were like borderline top four, top eight for a lot of the season. So they had to play him all the time. Yeah. So he didn't get his restings, but you nearly just copies regression through Origin. He, he held upright this season because he had two tons through that period, along with some shit scores. But you almost just cop it and save the two trades and just go him all year. Yeah, and I mean Damien Cook's not getting any younger. Mm-hmm. I know I've said that for three years straight now, but eventually the year will come where he, you know, they've got Pete Mamazelos these sort of guys, and Blake Braley's really the only other one that I would consider. Yeah, but his scores just aren't at that no. elite level, are they? I'll tell you what, it's. I don't want to go the early crow on this, but I had a gut feeling that my trades for the season were pretty good and I, I don't think there's going to be anything too, too bad in there. 
timing was one that killed me with a lot of them and not yep. getting players on the right time. Caitlin Ponga being, again, we'll get yep. to him soon. But I don't think there's anything standout that was terrible, but that could be uh, different pretty soon. I think a timing that you got right, which I think both of us got right, someone at this panel didn't, and I can't wait for his roasting, Jareen Buller at 283k. Oh, you went yes. Reese Walsh down to him. Um, you traded Walsh when he was at 666k, the devil's dick, to Buller at 283k. Yeah, that, that'd be up there with my best trades of the season. Anyone that nailed Buller at 200k, well done, because you banked obviously the extra 80-odd. But Buller, yeah, that was one of my best trades of the season. And again, talking about timing and getting my trades right, but my timing wrong. Again, we'll get to it soon. But I just, looking for the extra number through the origin period, I sold Buller just two weeks too late, and it cost me a fair bit of cash. Yeah. So just on Buller, you brought him in round 11. It was a modest 45 points uh, against the Bunnies, but then didn't have to wait too long for him to repay. 124 round 12 against the Cowboys. That was that um, big night out there at Leichhardt. And then another 100 at Campbelltown against the Raiders. Um, you probably remember that one quite well. I do remember that one quite well, yeah. yeah. And he got to like 711k or something. And then from memory, had like there was a buy in there somewhere and a couple of tough matchups. And I stuck with him and if, I know a few a lot of people jumped off certainly earlier than I did uh, so it didn't kill me I lost a lot of value in, in him so there was a bit of a lesson there and look the kids are freak but he was playing for a shit team and just cut him you know that's super edge one one isn't it yeah. buy low sell high I think uh, round 12 as you said timing cost you a little bit throughout the season I think this was a big one um, you traded out Val Holmes I think this was a <sighs> big divider between you and me I held him for the entire year which he missed a couple of games, but when he played, he brained it. He was missing. I can't remember if it was four of his next five or three of his next four. I believe it was three of his next four due to origin. And he also, because of where the Cowboys were on the ladder, to be fair, Valley's great at backing up from origin, that sort of thing, but didn't rest. And the, the couple of games that he played through origin, I think he missed like four of six through the origin period. I'm like, he's a sell, absolutely. But the two freaking games he played, I'm sure you've got the numbers. One was a 150, and I'm sure the other one was a big ton as well. So round 13, he didn't play. Round 14, he went 150. He then had a buy in round 15. Didn't play round 16. Round 17, scored 91. Round 18, scored 117. Had another buy, then came back and scored 93 in round 20. And every, not everyone, but heaps started with him. Heaps sold him like round seven because they were like, no, these 60s aren't cutting it. I'm like, we sat here on the panel and we're going... He's doing it without attacking stats. This is brilliant. Yep. Just mm. be patient. I was patient for as long as I could. That round 12 trade made complete sense. And then the, the, that 150, and then off the back of it, couldn't get him back in because he was so freaking expensive. Yeah, exactly. Well, oh. thankfully, he then got he then got Simbin two weeks in a row into a suspension that. that ended it. So... Didn't work. It wasn't ideal for you, but didn't, yeah. it could have been heaps fucking been worse. worse. He could have been unachievable for a lot of yeah. people. And even Wild, that first week he got Simbind, didn't score a try. Still scored 50 that yeah. week. Wow. He's a freak, Val. I think something we haven't touched on yet, we will now. Round 13, you mm. used a boost. That was your fourth boost by round 13. Uh, you traded out Cook, uh, Tohu Harris, sorry, Damien Cook, Tohu Harris, uh, Samuela Finu, sorry, this is your trade ins, and Cody Walker. Uh, you shifted from Sonny Luke, Christian Welch, Stefano, and Nico. Um, four boosts by round 13. You reckon that was pretty common this year? Yeah. I, I remember a lot of people had used sort of five by that point. Yeah. I know the Spy had used five, and, and I, yeah, I'll stand by this one, but I used my next boost by round 
uh, the after their final Origin week, and I think that is just absolutely the play going forward to save one for that week to mm. get your side sorted. But yeah, people went really hard on Boost early and had four, yeah, four by thirteen. I think one in round three is awesome timing for it. Potentially, if your team's a shit show, you could use one round two. But round three, probably that round 13, when we're prepping teams for the origin period, and round 20, they're the three that I'll more often than not lock in, I reckon. What do we make of boosts? We've had two years to look at it now. Are they overrated, you reckon? Or, you know, like you started to say, that you pick out three weeks where you need to absolutely use them. But come the back end of the year, say we do get to round 22, like, should we be looking to hold one for the last couple of weeks? Like, well, I mean, I, I've said the start of this year that I will definitely hold one for the last round. I wasn't able to. Yeah. And I look back now at what I used it on and think, did I need to use it? Mm. I just think that if you can keep your... And, mate, you know I mean, as much as your team, it didn't work out this year. But I think my team showed I was at 6,000 with three weeks to go. Had trades up my sleeve. Fuck, if I had boost there mm. for the carnage that we saw, and, I, I like, it's a 27-week comp now. I know some people were old over that there was restings at the end of the year. I have no fucking idea why, but brace yourself. It's going to be the norm. And I think holding a boost towards the back end, if you can find a way to do it, is gold. But I agree with what Timmy said. I think yeah. having using one in round three, I think it's just about a must. Yeah, no brainer. You just cash in on round three and then after the week after the origin period, I think once you get your team sorted for that run home, I think they're the two key weeks that you lock it in. Uh, yeah. I thought, speaking of being overrated, I thought the thing that was overrated this year was how hard we went at those origin rounds. You think? Yep. I do. Because of the additional buy. Because the additional buy, and I just think that because it was only your best 13, I think that we put a lot of emphasis on, oh, fuck, got to have, you know, 10's not enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only three players difference. And I mean, at the end of the day, when we got to the end of the season, those three players that might be 180 points, that was nothing by the end of the season. And you'd think, like, I know looking at Tim's team here, he had, a, I think, Manly players played round 13. Um, Samuel Afainu probably was a name that yep. people would have got, you know, cheap 200k dual position forward that you could probably nuff out later. But really, like you say, is it worth burning that trade in round 13 for 50 points extra? You'd probably make that up later anyway. With Definitely. Him. To be fair, I reckon Afainu got screwed. By screwed, I mean my Supercoach team got screwed because Afainu was going to the Tigers and it was like, no, yeah. we don't need you, mate. Yeah. I stand by that trade. I didn't know he was going to sign with another club and not play. Round 14, we'll keep this going. You brought in Ellie Katoa for Jared Croker. So sold one of your What a fucking sons. dog. Yeah. What an absolute oh, fucking oh. dog. 100 to 300 gamer. Um, yeah. Got rid of him. Just brushed him. There wasn't much mention of actually bringing in Jared Croker when no one else did and doing a wonderful job for me. He so. did sell him 145k profit. We'll just slip Thank that. Uh, Ellie Katoa, though, you brought him in round 14. A little bit unlucky. I think he was injured against the Sharks round 15. Didn't play for another... Uh six weeks so that's the case of probably right trade but wrong time yeah he had that facial cut a facial cut that kept me <coughs> out for about six weeks so yeah. the only right trade wrong time he didn't fucking play football it was a shit trade <laughs> call it as it is Riser. Uh, uh, well on paper it was the right trade whether or not it turned out we like finally got some common sense at this bar <laughs> rugby league's not played on paper I think that's thank the, the you there. yeah Ellie Katoa and we saw the way he finished the season and Finished on an absolute tear, so to have had that from round 14 or whatever that was would have been very nice, but injuries happen, don't they? They did. Mate, round 17, I thought this was an interesting one. Ryan Madison sort of surprised me when you did it. In fact, I didn't even realise you'd actually done it until about two weeks later, and then uh, we'll talk about it in my roasting as well, but he caught my eye very soon after that. I thought, after you'd done it, I realised I thought Maddo was going to be a superb trade-in. It wasn't bad, but it wasn't probably the height we expected it to hit. 
Yeah, one that you've skipped past there, because I remember who I traded him in for. I was on the golf course at a friend's farewell. Tins were flowing, and my vague recollections of it were that it was a bloody beautiful day. Cheers, a good day. <laughs> How good to golf? Anyway, uh, Corneli Lemuelu, who I traded in three, four, maybe five weeks early. You'd have it there somewhere, but mm. he was one of my duds of the season. And, yes. And I potted the Dolphins, as we now famously know, for the early stages. Uh, reconciled with them, apologised, all that sort of thing. And Lemuelu, I brought him in. I'm like, this will be the final peace sign between myself and the Dolphins, who again called me out on Instagram via a bloke post uh, a couple of days ago. Thanks, Dolphins. And Lemuelu brought him in and just did not, could not jag and tack and start to save his life. So he went out. He was ruled out of the game. And what week did I bring in, Maddo? Round 17. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because you actually... You didn't trade Lemuelu to Madison. Didn't I? You traded someone even... You traded Lemuelu that round. You traded him to Richie Kennar, but you traded someone even better to Madison. For Madison. Josh Schuster. Oh, thank Christ yeah. for that. One of the great trades. What trade. a pain in the ass that was this year. And I know it says next to Josh Schuster's name, you made 195k profit, but it was not worth your soul. No, no. no. <laughs> it it was just worth. not worth it. So... Yeah, Lemuelu, from memory, was ruled out late, and it must have been Saturday Arvo. And round 17, it would have been with them three teams on the bye, the Tigers, the Dogs, and Murray and the Sharks, from memory. Mm-hmm. And off the back of that, teams were very short on numbers, and I think it might, I don't know if it left me short or made me, left me needing to play a dud or something. So I was looking ahead to the round 19 bye week, which Parramatta played. I thought Maddo tried, tested, minutes on the arf. I think he was coming back from injury or something, maybe. I thought it was such a safe trade-in. And look, not that he killed me by any means, but the minutes just didn't come the back end of the year. Mm. Anyway, that's on Brad Arthur. <sighs> Tough one. Um, mate, one of your more interesting trades throughout the year, round 18, and he was a guy that I watched very closely all season because I was scared shitless of him, Jesse Ramian, one of your little pods for the back end of the season. I really enjoyed owning Jesse Ramian. Like, he was a bit frustrating because there's some real Tony Staggs vibes about Jesse Ramian. Mm-hmm. He'll put scores on against. He'll put put scores on when you don't expect him to. So he's really hard to nail his sit v start, especially the back end of the year where you've got depth and you've got options. And like he'd be playing a soft opposition, he'd score thirty. Then he'd play good opposition and go big. And had some great moments on the run home. It was a solid number. Probably some of that I'd anticipated on getting rid of. But like anything, injury strike. Need to make trades elsewhere and held on to him and. He just has a big work rate, bust tackles, offloads. I'm surprised he actually doesn't score a bit better in Supercoach, but mm. there could be a year if they find a way to utilise him a lot better. Because the Sharks attack is so dispersed across the entire field, they don't need to rely on going to him. But if at any point they go, he's our man, let's use this corridor more, he's got a big breakout Supercoach year coming. I think it's only a matter of time too. Like he's down that right side with Nico. He's just 26 years of age. So sort of yeah, coming 26. into that peak of his career, he's played what, five, six seasons now of NRL. Like he's going to get to a point where he will be that strike weapon for them. Yeah. I reckon he's always going to be this guy. Yeah. I reckon he's always just, I reckon Katoni's going to be the same. I reckon super coach wise, they're always just going to fall short, I reckon. Ramian has a way better base than Katoni though, yep. which leads to with their nature of play, more tackle bus, more offloads. So I just feel like it's coming, but maybe not, maybe not. And believe me, if it does come, I'll be the first one to jump off that yeah. train and get him in. But I've, I've just got a feeling about Jesse Raymond. He's going to be one of those guys. He could be right. Like, unlike the Knights, I think 
Gagai, Dom Young down that right side. The pass generally goes through Gagai's hands. It seems to miss Ramian a lot of the time. It's either short to Nikara or long to Katoa. Yeah. So he could be the, like Katoni stays there. Now, mate, I thought round 20 was a pretty big one for you. Some big trade-ins here. Uh, Ty Munro was the first one. You obviously brought him in. You got Buller out. Netted yourself, you know, 200-odd K there. Uh, but two other big names that came in. Dave Fafita, Cameron Munster. Huge. Yeah. Probably my best trade of the year, that. Jermaine Hopgood went to Cam Murray, and, and not many people out there did it. And I flipped Hopgood for, from memory, close to 700K and got Cam Murray in at sub 500K. I think I netted about 240K there. And from there on to the end of the season, Cam Murray, I think, I don't think, he averaged more than Hopgood. And it was not by, without looking at the numbers, it might have, he might have averaged about 10, 10 or so more than him, plus that 240K plus an extra number in round 27. So that was, yeah, that was one of my, my best of the season. Dave Vafita was the other dagger that I had talked about timing. Mm. I was desperate to sell him after Origin 1 because I was thinking he'd get rests over that period. Can't remember why. It might have been small knackers and, and wasn't game to do it or it might have been need to do trades elsewhere, but really wanted to get rid of Dave Vafita. Came out and played that 30 minutes off the bench and scored like 20 or 10 points or something and then I just thought screw this I'm not putting up with this through the origin period he'll play lesser minutes after origin two and three and he didn't he came out and played 80 minutes in both of them and not only that but went on a tear yeah and like after paying up for feeder at the start of the season not even blinking an eyelid on him got rid of him at the wrong time made me pay learn a lesson I think that was probably the key difference between our seasons I held for feeder and Val mm. you made moves on them yeah yeah for feeder probably one of those players in this there's probably a handful of them only in, in the whole comp that you hate watching their teams play when you don't own them. Like I know Ponga, have we mentioned Ponga yet? Are we going to get to that soon? They're I think Ponga, Ponga is someone that yeah. come this time of year, Timmy would have been you know, shutting his eyes and not watching Newcastle games. Awful. I think for Fida, you sort of buy him almost out of fear rather than out of hope or expectation he's going to bang out 80s, 90s, 100s every week. It's just you don't... Personally, that's how I feel watching the Titans play anyway. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And isn't, isn't the fear factor a telling story? When you fear someone that much, it's probably a sign it's by the bastard. Yeah, tells you all you need to know, yeah. 100%. Uh, round 21, two big names came in here. Two big names went out, to be fair, as well. Hopgood and Mitch Moses. This was, I reckon this is one of your better plays of the year, to be fair, and I gave you a lot of shit for it at the time, but... Cameron Murray. Oh, okay, this is this round, sorry. Yeah. Cameron Murray for Hopgood, very nice trade. And then, of course, Nath Cleary in for Mitch Moses. First of all, mate, I want you to talk me through the great Cameron Murray. Yeah, Cam Murray, he finished the season with There's an absolute... art gallery of good-looking roosters behind you too, Cam Murray. Jesus Christ. Oh, good-looking rabbits. Yeah. Cameron Murray, God bless that man. I love him so much. And and he didn't have his best supercoach year. He averaged about 62 or 63, which is, is about a 70 average across other years. But I just love him so much. And, yeah, you were into me, Rue, about bringing him in. I was like, I've never been so confident in a trade in my life. I said before, banked 240K from the Hopgood trade. And Murray just came in and went on a tear for me. Scored that late try against the Roosters, uh, or early try in the game, in round 27. And that was, that was up there with my best trades of the year. And Cam Murray, while he averaged 62 for the year, he averaged a hell of a lot more for my side this year for the Mighty Kuma Stallions and... Yeah, I tell you what, I'll be bloody keen on getting him round one next year as well. He was a very, very good get, and Jesus Christ, he's distracting. Um, <laughs> mate, round... That's the contrast of Cam Murray's head and my head. <laughs> mate, have a look. You've got a shirtless Cam Murray behind oh. you. <laughs> Looking the goods. Uh, round 22, 
another South Sydney Rabbitoh comes into your side, uh, Latrell Mitchell. Now, I would argue that it was Latrell that probably cost us a much better finish last season, and we just couldn't let him go this year, could we? We couldn't. And don't you feel like he let us down? Mm-hmm. But he didn't do badly. He, I think he probably averaged 70-odd for us, which is fine, but... At the same time, we were watching Drinkwater, Reese Walsh. I mean, everyone had Caelan Ponga by that point, minus me, uh, who were all going ballistic. And it's like, all right, 70s, we need more. We need tons from Trell. And they just didn't come. Yeah. So he killed us last season. He didn't kill us this season, but he didn't make amends for last year's debacle. I'd probably throw Latrell in that same bracket as uh, Fafita. As yeah. in, like, that fear player. Yeah. You know everything through Souths is going through his hands. You're right, like, 70s... Um, you take them from Latrell, like you're not disappointed. I think where we compounded that is that he was spoken of like a captaincy option. You felt like at the price, 770-odd K, you had to have at least the vice-captaincy on him, whereas if you did go to someone like a drinky, um, or at least, you know, in the halves with Cleary, Hines, there were probably better options there. Guys, as you know, Paddy and George from Mortgage Trace SCW can help you with a number of things from wedding finance to debt consolidation, but one of their biggest services is education, especially when it comes to first home buyers looking to get into the market. The boys will let me know that with the new financial year coming into play, that the government has released a heap of new incentives to make it so much easier for first home buyers to actually buy their first place. If you want to know more about these and how much you can borrow in general, go and speak to them. Usually it'd sting you $129, but if you mention SC Playbook, it's a free consult. Speaking of education, the boys' new podcast, That'll Teacher, is now officially up and running. The first episode, episode I should say, on top tax tips is a cracker. Definitely one that I've learned a bit from. Had to listen to it the other day. Uh, got a stack from it. So go and give them a listen. Look them up on Apple and Spotify at That'll Teacher. Uh, guys, to get in contact, flip them a message on Instagram at patandgeorge underscore scw or call them on 02 9521 All that info plus their emails and more are in our articles at scplaybook.com.au. The question, yeah, that we probably have to touch on. Ponga, it's, the, it's the, uh, the elephant in the room. And I'm going to take over here because I enjoyed this so much. So Timothy made the decision to bring in Caelan Ponga in round 23. He didn't buy him for 500k. He didn't buy him for 600k. Give you the hot tip, Riser. Didn't buy him for 700k. Keep going. 800k. More. Keep coming. More. 900k. It's like a bidding. No bueno. We went higher. We went for 1 million Dollars, the sign of a shit supercoacher. Over to you, money bags. I'm gonna throw. Can't out. get a fucking coffee out of him, but we can get a one one million dollar Kalen Ponga. It's unbelievable. I your coffee this morning, <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> I paid you for it. Uh, yeah, Raj actually paid me. Show, shows the difference in the caliber of human being on Slipped this panel. Slipped in the There's a combination. There's, there's, there's a lot to unwind here because this was the season defining play, Kalen Ponga. My supercoach side is like a Shakespearean story, isn't it? Like Put you to sleep. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well played. Like, KP last year ended my season with the, the third-minute concussion when I brought him in. We spoke about that time and time again. It was that concussion knock that delayed me getting him this year. And I said, there's just a concussion coming. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm his biggest fan and just blew me out of the water and... Killed me again. On the playbook potty last night, Rue, we were chatting about things we learned this season and, and the one that I certainly took out of it was that you've got to learn to swallow your pride and, mm. and put your stubbornness aside in Supercoach because I brought him in this round. 
he'd killed me to this point. If I didn't pay a million dollars for him, yeah. he would have shattered my season. Because he went on and just went ton, 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 just kept doing it. So while it was awful to have to do to pay over a million for him, at the same time, I learned a valuable lesson that if a player's this good and they're on a run of form, you've just got to do it. And yeah, I think that if you wouldn't have brought in KP when you did, I, I, I think you, you could have potentially missed like the top 10,000. Would have been free fall. Yeah, you would have been in all sorts. So I mean, it is a good the, lesson. The, the only counter to that is a lot of the fullback like alternatives. Like if I did, say I didn't go him and I went with Reese Walsh or someone or Scott Drinkwater yeah. or Drinky would cost a ton as well. But even yeah. Tedesco, they all went bonkers too. So it wouldn't have been free fall, but obviously the, the right decision was made. So KP. And the other one that I touched on on the potty last night was just... Head knocks are a little bit of a different one, but I was just so scared off by his history of head knocks. Probably one more for injuries, but if they're playing and they're active and they're good to go, the club have got faith that they'll get through okay. Probably just don't be too worried about what could happen. If they're a good enough player and they can go big enough, just get them in. Just with Ponger as well, like we know he came back from the head knocks. There was talk that he was going to med- medically retire if he got one more. Yeah. Like, there was that serious concern for him. I think another reason why... I think that was only Tim talking about that. Though. <laughs> he was, he was I, I said he could medically retire. <laughs> trying to uh, justify not buying him. I think that was well, like, the round 14, uh, he had a buy. Like, we didn't know if he was going to be uh, picked for origin, so he could have missed some other games around that period. But to the point, like, what he, he probably averaged 130, just doing some quick math here, like, from round 15 onwards. Yeah. Close to it anyway. He averaged, I uh, did some numbers yesterday. From when he, at fullback, he averaged about 105 or something. Mm. And as I said, from around about the point that you mentioned when everyone else jumped on and they'd, like, they'd seen him back at fullback, they'd seen him back to form, and most importantly, he'd strung a few games together and they'd gone and laid some of those fears for the head knocks. From when people got him in at that, whatever time that was, 15, 16, whatever it was, yeah, he would have been like 120 plus average. Now, mate, the next guy I want to touch on, this is a guy that we avoided for so long. So long. Dallin Wateni Zalesniak. Now, you brought him in in round 25, which that night looked like a tremendous decision. Brought him in late. I think he scored 125. Um, He then proceeded the week after to score 25. Then he didn't play the week after. So you got the big score. And, I mean, if he just would have played the last week, it probably makes it a good trade. But, unfortunately, the way it played out in the back end hurt yeah. you. Do you look back on that one and, and regret that one? Obviously, all in hindsight. I absolutely don't regret it because, what, so you got me 150 points across his two weeks. So, he averaged 75 for me. Well, he got you 150 across three weeks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, he missed. Like, the Warriors... At that time, they still had three games to win to like secure a top four spot. He's a winger. I backed that he was going to finish with a bang. He did in the first game. The dagger, I, I was probably aware that there was a chance at arresting in, in round 27, but again, banking on things that may or may not happen. The Warriors could have lost a game or two and had to play for top four spot and he had to play that game. So I certainly don't regret the trade. Uh, that being said, the dagger there was I just need him to punch out 50 or 60 against the Dragons in round 26. And yeah. that's, that edge that had just decimated it and he killed any side all season. The Dragons of all teams shut it down and he scored his 25. So, you know, if he punched out another 25, 30 there, it all of a sudden becomes a 90-point average across two weeks, which becomes, what, 180 over three weeks, 65-odd. Mm. Anyway. Cola scored 300 in two weeks. Oh... <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Dallin averaged 100 against the Dragons this year. 
just Tommy uh, Timmy rather missed out on the 175 back in round 17. Uh, but I mean, that's the perspective. I love one, right? that. <laughs> he averaged 100 <laughs> against the Dragons, yeah. but you brought him in for the 25. Um, I just want to take you back to probably that middle part of the year. I know on the Playbook podcast, I think it was the Spy or Ads Darussi. They were big on Dallin for that spy. middle part of the year. Spy. How much of it is a learning? To I know you, you know we always say trust your gut, trust your first instinct, and obviously your instinct wasn't to buy him. But you mentioned swallow your pride there as well. How much do you have to take on the opinions or the advice or the the thoughts of others and actually start to consider them as your own? It's a juggling act. I I'm probably like compared to the, the regular super coach a, a different boat because I sit here and I consume it all week and I consume different opinions from different people. So. I'm so strong on backing my own thoughts and what I do. And yeah. I'm like, it takes a fair bit to change my mind. And, and there'll be times where someone will say, mate, you're overthinking this or there might be you're underthinking this. Like this is the play. Caitlin Ponger, for example, mm. the week, that was it. I don't think I was even looking to bring him in as my trades because I was so stubborn. I'm, like, I'm not paying over a million for him. And Darussi just goes, mate, you've just got to get him in. And I just sort of a switch flicked in my head and like, you're right. So I certainly take it into account. But like I consume so much content across Playbook website, across the contributors, with Guru, dare I say it, even the Guru occasionally at times, that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I honestly just back what I do. And one for next year, I'm like, because I'd had five, six or so years in a row of one percenters, and then I have a bad year this year, and I'm like, all right, what have I done wrong? What do I need to change? And I go, do I need to make drastic changes off one bad, bad year? And like 4,000 wasn't a good year, but it wasn't a terrible year kind of thing. One that I want to kind of do next year is I'm pretty conservative with my super coach approach I probably follow the crowd in respect at times just because of risk mitigation mm -hmm. and thinking that I, all right I can go out and get a, a super pod who I back and want to do well but if they get injured which has happened to me in the past like Ponga which just yeah. scarred me for life it can just kill you next year I kind of just want to go you know like Drinky. I was real keen on Drinky early on when he was at a real good price. And I went, yeah, but if I bring him on and some Ponga one, he goes poorly, he doesn't hit the heights, and I'm screwed. Next year, I'm thinking of just going, you know what? Back the gut, back the footy now, whatever level that is in Supercoach, and get these guys in. Sure, if one or two of them do get injured or don't hit their <coughs> straps. But if you get on like a Drinky early this season, you are soaring. Yeah. Um, and just having a bit of fun with it, it's riskier. But at the same time, if it pays off and you back your guard on a few of these plays and super pods, you could freaking soar. And that's where I think you sometimes, you back your super coach knowledge over your footy yeah. knowledge. And I, I, I like, Drinky is a classic fucking example, I reckon. I've got an article that I wrote for Playbook. I think he'd had a couple of okay weeks in a row. And I was like, well, there was a section on super pods and he was at like 0% or 1% ownership. I said... Great trade in, spoke about his history, this one poor game he had, but I didn't do it. And uh, like hindsight's a great thing, isn't yeah. it? How easy is it to say this? But I just think next year I'm like, if I sit there and back a bloke and he's at low ownership, just go, you know what? Don't worry about risk mitigation, just go it. If it goes wrong, so be it. But if it goes right, far out, you can make some jumps. And I mean, I also think that sometimes, like if it goes wrong, like how wrong can it go? Like if it's not, if it's yeah. completely fucked for two weeks... You tr like, mate, I, I look back at, and we'll get to it with my team. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I wasted more trades than what you did this year on just rogue shit going for That's it. Mean, I didn't have – said before, I don't think I had too many bad Yeah, it's actually trades. very disappointing looking at your yeah, trades because there's nothing – whereas I know for me, I've got three or four that are just yeah. absolute fucking Barry Crockers. But 
I got to the last few weeks and got Cola, which was the main one, and that made up for all those others. Yeah. All right, like if, if you can take enormous. five swings, yeah. if you can hit on two or three of them, it you're doesn't matter about the bad ones. Yeah. Yeah, and that's it. And that's what I'm sort of I'm stuck into. And fortunately, I've got about six months to work out this direction. But off one below par year from years of sort of good finishes, do I really reinvent the wheel? Do I need to? So that's what I've got. I've got to work out over the the next. Bit I, of time. I don't think you need to reinvent it too much, to be completely honest with you. But I mean, it, it is also credit to you and playbook and everything that you know. I look at you finishing four thousand and go, "Fuck, Tim had a shocker." <laughs> By your standards, so uh, full credit to anyway. you. Anything else on there, Riser? Well, he eventually did go to Scott Drink Quarter. Yeah. Around 20, is that 26, it looks like. Um, you can probably tell us how that went. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dolphins game. And, yeah, it went big. And this is a funny one because I knew going into the Panthers game and, and the word was sort of that maybe they won't be resting as we sort of anticipate around 27. And I just remember watching bits and pieces of that game going... He needs to go big here because I know I'm copping a 30 the following week and yeah. it eventuated exactly that way. So as a two-week play, I think he might have averaged about 80-odd points because he did stink it up against Penrith, but to be expected. Um, bonus, sorry, just was the drink water goal kicking. Like, that came out of nowhere. Yes. I think Chad, like Chad historically had kicked when Val wasn't there, so yeah. it made him even better than what you probably were expecting. It's very unfortunate they played the Panthers in the last round. Literally anyone else Like if he would have played Anyone else in the anyone. last round I would have got drinky over yeah. Cola 100% yeah. Broncos, Storm Whoever it would have been Don't give a fuck Wouldn't yeah. have had it Goal kicking Cowboys playing for top People think they shut the bed In round 27 against Penrith No they didn't Penrith are just awesome yeah. so Anyone else But Anyone else that, so. Yep Yeah Anything else Riser we Send out to you We haven't mentioned it yet And that's probably the The 1 to 27 rounds But Captaincy choices Like mm. They're so massive right And we all think back to I know the Nico one stands out early that you probably missed, but mm. there's some that you've nailed here. Um, I look at Nate Cleary, round six, uh, for 158. Um, how important is captaincy? I know it's probably a stupid question to ask, but that's the difference between finishing 4,000th and, and finishing in the top 1%. Yeah, it's at the end of the day, you can look at it and say, I got calls right, I got calls wrong. Captaincy is a freaking lottery. Mm. Yeah. Like... Unless you're a complete rogue and you go for pod captains each week and you get ones wrong or right and you say, like, come on, this is a G up. We all make informed decisions and I don't think people skew away from the obvious captains too often. Yep. It's just luck. Like, I think, uh, from memory this year, mine were reasonable enough, not terrible, not great. Joey Manu injury aside, and even the Manu injury, I just sort of sat there and went, You take I, it. I'm so in tune to, like, shit goes wrong in two because when it happened, I went, Injuries are going to happen. Mm. And I, for a long time, especially since I've really taken up Supercoach for a living and then doing playbook and that sort of thing, that you can't let uh, your weekend get ruined by something that goes wrong in Supercoach. So when Minor went down, sure, I was annoyed, but I'm like, I'm not going to kick up a stink for this. It's going to happen in the future again. And you can't, <laughs> so you can't ruin a weekend. Cool. Is there a standout captain from the year, let's take away Joey Minor, that you remember being really costly just out of interest i've obviously got them in front of me but is there one that stands out to you that you remember is there another one there i mean not as low as joey manu obviously there is a um there's a 32 point score you had as captain here i imagine a lot of people would have had him that weekend though any idea who that is 32 32 points round 14 nath cleary i imagine a lot of people would have had him 
looking at obviously round 13. A, a guy that we actually didn't talk about too much, which between you and me was an interesting one. I think I went Clint Gutherson, you went Dill Brown. In the same week, do you remember we were at the Newcastle yeah. game and they were both scoring yeah. tries for fun? Gutho scooted for dummy half and scored three tries. Great for me. Um, Dill Brown, he would have been a really interesting one for you had he played the entire year. Uh, he averaged like late 70s or mid 70s or something. Doing fuck all. Doing nothing. Yeah. And I think from memory, he carried on off field before the round 13 bye and I owned him and he would have been not just an extra number for that 13, 16, 19, which Parramatta played. And like people would have jumped on him to be fair for anyone who didn't own, but would have saved a trade, would have had a bloke locked in there who's a gun, would have solved a tough 5-8 position. Like as, as good as Phoenix Crossland for, was for me, would have been nice if that was Dylan Brown. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that one certainly didn't help. The other guy that stood out to me when I was reading through your side and I sort of went, oh, fuck, I can't believe Tim had him, was Adam Dewey. I looked at my team. I had him to start the season yeah. too. Feels like so long ago. You actually captained him in round two. How really? long ago does it feel like wow. that Adam Dewey oh, was a right. captain option? Who'd they play that week? I don't know, but it must have been a good matchup captain for you to take him there. He only mate. scored 56, so no... Huge shock there, but I do. I, I have a vague memory now. We're talking about it of him being a good choice there. Fuck, played the Newcastle Knights at Leichhardt Oval, so we. I, I wow. remember us going, "Oh, Knights, easy match yeah. up there." Gun was KP out to start the year? Maybe no. That's the day he, he got his head knocked. That, that was, was the day, was, was the it? Day. But mm. round one, so Dewey scored. I think it was uh, eighty nine. Yeah, one really. Yeah. So you know, you're probably thinking goal kicking at home yeah. against the Knights, like Why not? Sunday Arvo Leichhardt. It's yeah. going to be twenty thousand. And, yeah, like so often we say, you can't predict just what comes next. Yeah. And the other one was another another lesson I learned this year. It's just, like, I had Brian Toto, I believe, from the entire season. I only I sold him. Average 70-plus odd was fantastic, but, geez, he missed some key games for yeah. me. He missed, I think they rested him after at least two of the Origins, possibly three. And they were really good matchups that were like you were looking at 100-plus, 150-plus potential scores. Uh, and then got a arrest late in the season against the Titans. I think it was another great matchup, mm. and just missing key games where you needed numbers. It's like there were a few Origin players like that that got rests around that period where just made them tough to own. But well, it was him one missing games is a huge factor. But like he finished the season averaging seventy one points, and I felt like every single week I thought, "Fuck! Thank God they didn't pass the ball to top yeah. again." Yeah, like if he was to land a centre, which he Probably won't, to be fair, unless Taylor May lands there next year and maybe he passes the football. Like, if Taylor May does land there at centre and he passes the ball, Brian Tyler becomes a must-have, in my yeah. opinion. And that's it. I'll be sitting here. Um, like he frustrated me this year, despite being cl- completely reliable when he played. But, geez, I'm going to be tempted to have him round one again next year. Like he, Sure. As you said, you just feel like every year scratching the surface and it's all about a ball play, a passing centre, isn't it? So, With Tyler as well, something that probably goes unnoticed or unspoken about is he can play left or right. It doesn't really matter. And I don't think that affects his score too much. It's about, it's about whoever's inside him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, b- both centres didn't pass him the No, ball. I agree. But that's and then when I mean. one of them was out, Peachy came in and it got worse. Yeah. Imagine it if was... he had Will Hoppawati inside him. <laughs> He'd average 300. <laughs> I was having a look. From his last 12 games this season, he only didn't score in two of them. So all things considered how he was never getting the football... If it happens this next year that he does get more ball, fucking hell. Yeah. It's going to be scary. Beast. And you know when he doesn't score, he runs for 200 metres. Yeah. So on his worst day, he's probably a 55-60 anyway. Yeah, he'll base that. Could also be a great like first 12-round play. Let's assume Penrith the top two next year because they're freaks. 
could be a great like round 12 sell because yep. you know you'll get by uh, rest after it and then uh, bring back in round 20 sort of thing. Yeah, like he really is just the ultimate safe CTW, I think. Yeah, yeah. Realistically. Is there, just looking at this and sort of um, you know, dissecting the year that was, is there any player that you think come round one next year, no matter what their price or what team, what position they're in, that you just couldn't touch? Have you been burned to that degree? <laughs> probably tough top of your head, but I know there's probably some like, mm. that you'd... That I could like for a Schuster, yeah. for example, like as soon as we said his name, your, your skin crawled. Like is there someone that like that, that Brandon Smith perhaps, he's going to be 450-odd yeah, K again. Here again. Could you go around Brandon or Schuster? I found or? the Sharks. I over-invest in Sharks a little bit too much because <clears throat> they had they played that third final major buy around. We're going all right. Had heaps of attack and they didn't kill me, but I had like too many Sharks to finish the season, which wasn't ideal. Um who was the one? Oh, the one next year, boys, fullback. Holy shit, round one. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Kalen Ponga's not going to have Jewel. So it's going to be like Kalen Ponga. Reese Walsh is an absolute superstar, as we know. I'll be so tempted to part for him, but he also averaged a heat this year. Ryan Pappenhausen, Tom Trebojevic, to a lesser degree, but if the Roosters come good, James Tedesco, Scott Drinkwater, fullback next year. Is, oh, you, it's going to be incredible. You haven't even mentioned Ryan Pappenhausen. Ryan Pappenhausen, it's going to be mental. That decision round one. Oh. Do you think as well, like, again, one of those lines that gets thrown out in Supercoach so often is you need two-gun fullbacks. Have we dispelled that theory this year with the likes of Garrick, Asako, these guys at the whole position? How many times are we going to hear Cola? We haven't even got to give it. Oh, it hasn't even started. Don't worry. Yeah, I thought I'd say... Thought I'd give the Rue that one, save it for his uh, potty. Is that the... Hey, when did you play for Newcastle? <laughs> Who's that? Zach Hosking. Oh my god! With a broken wing. That was Timmy around dead June, ringer June July when he needed a haircut. Same amount of acne as a seventeen-year-old Tim as well. <laughs> That's great. That's unreal, mate. Obviously, Riser just asked you if there's anyone you'd avoid forever now. Is there anyone that really stole your heart this year that'll probably be a favourite moving forward now? I love Phoenix Crossland. Yeah, for many reasons, but. I love, like, I just love a battler in rugby league because coming up as a shit, terrible footballer myself, I was just like, I was always a little string bean, a little runt and sort of be coming up against these blokes weighing 110 kilos and I was always like, Jesus, good fun having a crack here, but, like, good God, how, how blokes go on and push to higher grades and push through to the NRL level and you look at blokes like Finch Crossan who... T- to his credit, was coming through the grades as a really good halfback, but someone like Jacob Preston, who's not a big boy, but just throws his weight around. Cameron Murray, well, I love him so much. Not a heap of size about him, but just goes toe-to-toe with these big blokes. I mean, how tough must these blokes be? Uh, and I think what I love about Crossland is that he's been shunted out of that halves that he came through the grades with and thrown into the forwards as an 80-minute hooker, as a bloke who came through as, an out, as a halfback, defending in the back line, to playing 80 minutes, defending 120 kilo, Asafa Solomonas and Olaquatus and these big boys. I, I just love that. Name me five hookers you would rather have right now than Phoenix on form this year. Supercoach? Incredible. Or NRL. Yeah. Name. Either. Don't care. Yeah. Like, no, couldn't struggle to do it. And the other one there that comes to mind when I talk about this type of player, Blake Braley. Yeah. I see him around Canola all the time. He's tiny. When do you sit there and go... Oh, Brayley run over the top of again or let that one through. Mate, he is in 80 minutes every week. Yeah. 
He's so tough. Could be sitting here talking about those two. Well, probably more so Braley, to be fair. With, with Sorry, Blake Braley with Jaden Braley coming back for Newcastle. Mm. But, yeah, we're going to find players this time next year. We look back and like the Phoenix Crosslands have plugged in and they've done a job. But I didn't think we'd be sitting here this time last mm. year talking about Phoenix Crosslands as a great And, like, to be honest with you, Jaden Braley was one that I thought would be a really good super coach player this year. He's gone now too. That's always yeah. going to be a job share now. Yeah. So there's another 80-minute hooker. Yeah. Gone. Draft players, another one that hurts us. Uh, the other shout-out, Tyrone Peachy, of course. Who, yeah. Mate, he, he would have averaged, without crunching numbers, 65, 70 plus for me when I played him this year. Earned me a ton of cash. Got me through a tough, probably, origin period whenever I got him in. So, the Peach. And so fun to watch, like, and own. Because mm. he just runs it all the time. Gets involved, offloads, tackle bus. It was great. It was a fucking nightmare watching Penrith. Because I was obviously keeping track of your team all the time and you had Toto on the right and you had Peachy on the yeah. left at times. It was an absolute nightmare. And the worst thing about like, is that if you were a nono, like you're watching my side and Peach, just knowing that I got him as a cheapie. Yeah. Like if you pay 700k for him, they have to score accordingly. But when he's punching out 80s and that and you get him at like 250, 300k, <laughs> oh, it's so sweet. So good. Riser, anything else, mate? No, I think we leave it there. I think um, all in all, not a bad season, like we say, probably being critical to the degree of 4,000, like rank doesn't mean too much. There's just those sliding doors moments which we look back on that definitely swayed your year from where you finished to being the Beers and Breakevens champion. Yeah. Yeah, I've said, boys, timing is everything. You can make some wrong trades, get a few things stuff up, but you need to get on the big boys at the right time and, and sell at the right time. And I probably just didn't do that well enough this year. Yeah. I disagree with Riser. I think rank is life. And I think it's all that counts. So. <laughs> I love having Riser on Tough here. Tough shit. I don't. Oh, I'm liking him less and less. Thank God he was here. Doing my fucking head in. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, I'll be back next week. I think uh, I'm going to jump in the hot seat next week. I'm going to crow to the fucking cows come home. Funny so thing about that, that potty's going to be that, as you said earlier, you made some shit trades, some terrible decisions. But you've got the glory, so it's going to be a, it's gonna be a very <laughs> delicate little podcast. Yeah. How many times are we going to hear the word cola? We might have to get the oh, over or under. Oh. The we should. We should do a count. Responsibly. Yeah, because <clears throat> I'm going to go huge overs. All right, guys, thank you for joining us once again. If you want to reach out to Blue Wealth Property, reach out to myself or Timmy or in the description of the podcast or the YouTube. I've got Wealth Through Property, uh, the webinar on the 28th of September, grand final week. That will be a cracker. Shout out to Kempi as well. Bloke in a bar, obviously housing beers and break evens for another year. Where would we be without the great Kempisaurus, T-Rex? Um, probably my bedroom yeah probably your bedroom or my garage yeah one of the two be <laughs> fucking awkward as all hell scary both of them scary <laughs> terrifying so yeah thank you to kempy once again and we will see you next wednesday on youtube 3 p.m or on the podcast at 6 p.m for guru roasting where i might masturbate live on the show so <laughs> what a way to wrap that don't up. miss out on it see you next week <laughs>